How do leaders keep their focus on the most important aspects of the work while leading through controversy and politics? This may be the number one challenge for the educational leaders of today. Sandy Barber, recognized as one of the nation's premier athletic directors who leads the infamous Penn State athletic program, walks us through all that she has learned and the strategies she employs to keep the main thing the main thing. The Leadership Circle preaches, leaders learn from leaders. We promise we all have something to learn from Sandy Barber. Enjoy. Ladies, gentlemen, educators, leaders, welcome to Leader Chat. I'm Jeff Rose, and I know I say this every week at this point, but you're in for a treat. And it, the reason I say it is because it's true. Now, I know that our Leadership Circle members are experiencing this content potentially live. Some are actually watching this video because we make that available to them. And others are actually just hearing this through our podcast, Leader Chat with Jeff Rose. But the one thing that's important going into this discussion today is to remind ourselves that our goal is to provide this very pragmatic content related to leadership and, of course, leading in the work of education, but to do so in a kind of an organic process. We pay attention to what our members are challenged by, struggling through in school districts and systems and charter uh, districts um, and schools across the country and actually beyond. And so that is the concept between, um, you know, in, in this leader chat is to bring to you perspective that helps all of us. And today it'll be very clear as to why we have this very specific, very special guest with us. So in a minute here, I'm going to be introducing you to Sandy Barber. And um, I'm going to read her bio. Know this, that the focus of today's is how we keep our focus while leading through controversy, which we're actually all leading through now. So let me tell you about Sandy. She is recognized as one of the nation's premier athletic directors. Sandy Barber enters her eighth year as the dynamic leader of Penn State Intercollegiate Athletic Program. With student success and comprehensive excellence as a steadfast focus, Barber has helped Penn State ascend and thrive as one of the nation's most, most successful athletic departments. Prior to Penn State, she served for 10 years as Director of Athletics at the University of Berkeley, California. Barbara directs one of the nation's most comprehensive and successful athletic programs that boasts as an NCAA graduate success rate of 92% while capturing 79 national championships and 116 Big Ten titles. She oversees a broad-based program that supports approximately 800 students in 31 sports and intercollegiate athletic staff um, uh, and a staff of more than 300 people. Now, by the way, she was AD of the Year recipient in, recipient in 2016 and 17 and a finalist in 2018. In 2020, Barbara was among the honorees on Sports Illustrated's, Sports Illustrated's The Unrelenting List of the Most Powerful, Most Influential, and Most Outstanding Women in Sports. In 2018, Barbara was selected as number 13 among the most powerful women in sports. So, ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce you to Sandy. Sandy, welcome. 
Thank you, Jeff. Uh, it's a, it's an honor to to be here and and be talking to you and and uh, be talking in front of, of this audience. Uh, I really appreciate the opportunity. So I I, I told you I, I had to shorten your bio. There, there you have um, you have had an incredible career and uh, a tremendous amount of accolades that have come. Um, what did I miss? And maybe after that, just tell us how how, how are you doing these days. You know, I, I appreciate that, uh, the, the, the comments. And uh, yeah, I always feel like uh, my my bio ought to be just like kind of, you know, thrown in thrown in the trash can. Uh, you know, I, I lead I lead students. I, I, I help uh, partner with uh, with communities and, and campuses. So I, I don't know that uh, that there's really anything important that, that that's left out. Um I just, uh, I've been really fortunate, um, you know, some of it by my own hand from the standpoint of being really picky and choosy uh, about the, uh, the places that I wanted to work and, and the leaders, the, the other leaders I wanted to align with. Um, I've been at great institutions uh, the entirety of my career um, and, and fortunate to be able to have had those, those choices and, and those opportunities. And they're places that all have really strong values, uh, have really strong institutional values, but then values around athletics. I mean, because obviously that's my expertise. That's the area I choose to, uh, to, to focus on and work on every day. Um, but re- really fortunate here at Penn State to, uh, to partner with tremendous campus leadership, um, be able to be a part of our, our president's uh, uh, cabinet executive team, um, as obviously we, we all, all in, in higher ed and education period, uh, and in, uh, in, in what we're doing in, in society, just a really, really challenging time, but, but one that I think makes the efforts all, all the more worthwhile. So uh, I'm going to say something that you actually already know. Um, our listeners don't, and then I'll also uh, mention something I don't think you do know. Um, the first is one reason that we're talking here is because of a good friend of mine, Tim Elmore, knowing what our members are challenged by, which are you know superintendents, executive teams in all different kinds of districts and school systems um, throughout the world are working through. He told me, he said, you know, there, there's somebody you need to talk to. Um, and then, of course, mentioned you. And in the meantime, what's been exciting for me is um, I grew up in this very uh, athletic environment. Um, my dad's an Olympic coach, you know, career-long coach. So I grew up kind of on the pool deck. I was a D1 athlete myself. The reason I actually went to school was because of my sport, nothing else. I figured out that potentially I was of average intelligence when I got to college, but not prior to. This isn't about my story, but knowing your narrative and your career, um, I've been really excited to, to bring you on. Maybe I'll just start by asking what it's been like for you recently, the last couple of years, which have kind of changed the game in some ways, the overall strategy of how you lead. Tell us about what that's been like for you and how you've managed and maybe how you're currently coping or looking to the future. Yeah, well, I would say, you know, first of all, um, as the pandemic hit in in March of of 2020, uh, we all had to come to the realization that we're, uh, in in general, in college athletics, we're all a bunch of control freaks. (laughs) And, uh, And all of a sudden, 
we had very little control. Um, and when I say we, I mean all of us. I mean from athletic director to coaches to sports science people, uh, etc. And I was a coach. I started my career uh, as a coach. So I certainly carry a lot of those tendencies uh, w- with me. Um, so I think that was really uh, we had to come to grips with uh, with the uh, that, that we were no we did not have the kind of control that we were familiar with and that we that we craved. Um, some of that's been happening in the environment around us in in terms of of students and student voice, which lots of that is is really good. Uh, but the lack of control um, and then the uncertainty. You know, I think one of the things that um, that I talk about all the time now, and, and, and we talked about uh, prior to, to to starting up here, is all the thing. Think of all, think of everything we've learned. Now, a lot of it is is about science and is about medicine and and health and safety, and and hopefully most of that we never have to use again in, in our lifetimes. But but I do think we've learned a lot, and I think we should be comforted by that. I know that that um, that our students are in terms of our number one priority, which is you know keeping them safe and and healthy. Um, and then for us, if we could do that, uh, then could we? within that health and safety umbrella, allow them to compete, allow them to do what it is in terms of their sport and, and what they love. So it's really been, um, it's been focused on that. Um, that's been the easy part to, to focus on our students. Uh, the more difficult part is all the noise around everything, everything else, uh, whether it's politics, whether it's um, you know, particular aspects of, of COVID, whether it's particular aspects of, uh, of social justice. Um, and, uh, and so it's, it's really, you know, you talked about the, the, uh, the title here being about focus. Um, that's, that's at a premium and that that's an absolute and, and keep the, you know, keep the main thing, the main thing. So you mentioned all the things that we've learned. Um, and I, I would wholeheartedly agree that we've learned a lot. I also think that that's a really positive way to look at it in that um, sometimes it's, it's difficult to focus on what we've learned as opposed to just reacting day to day to some of the chaos that, you know, lands on, you know, leaders' desks, right? Um, so I'm curious, though, do you think moving forward, um, it's going to entail some just new strategies that we've never thought of before because so much has changed? How much do you think we're going to be able to rely on what we used to do? Maybe some of that sense of control we used to have. What do you envision the future to look like? Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that, uh, that the pandemic, um, that just where we are from a societal standpoint, certainly in our, um, uh, in our industry, college athletics, there's so much going on that is centered around students. Um, and that's the, the, the transfer situation, name, image, and likeness, uh, the possibilities for pay for play, labor relations, are student athletes employees or are they, are they, are they not? <laughs> um, there, there's no doubt in my mind that uh, for, for us in, in our industry, and I, I, you know, and I would assume up and down the educational uh, uh, continuum, uh, there are impacts and, and, and ripple effects of this that we're, you know, it, we're, it's changing. And, and as leaders, 
we, we have to keep pace. Um, we, we can't just dig our heels in and say, you know, no, we're, 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 we're staying, we're, we're staying in, in, you know, in something that was 10 years ago or five years ago, or, or, you know, or maybe, maybe five months ago. Um, so I do think that one of the absolute skills, uh, and attributes for, for a leader is some flexibility. You know, my mentor talks about, uh, the, the athletic director, the recently retired athletic director at Duke, uh, situational flexibility um, is is probably like the number one leadership trait and and I think there's a um, there's a lot of truth in that that we have to be able to adapt we have to be able to adapt in the moment and I, and I think we have to be able to adapt over time you know um, a, a specific example for us name image and likeness um, you know, we, we may uh, individually um, really repel at, at the thought, but frankly, number one, all we did was allow students to have the same, student athletes to have the same opportunities that any other student on our campus has. Um, and, and secondly, there's a lot of educational value. Um, in allowing them to uh, to engage with their brands and 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 be influencers and um, and and, it's, and frankly it's the world we, we we live in so so we've certainly embraced it and I think it'll be to the benefit of students but you know leading in these times is difficult there's a lot of there's a lot of noise and uh, that focus piece becomes so important you know um, in, in my, my past I've 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 led through you know, several different school systems, small, large, and very large. And, you know, I've, I've recently realized that, you know, leading through challenge is pretty relative. I've, I had thought I led through some tough stuff. I did not lead through this COVID chaos. And, you know, it, it is relative. And, and you have actually led through some, some really challenging political controversies in the past. Maybe talk to us about what you learned through that. You know, sometimes it feels like the, the world is falling. When you come out the other side, you, you actually realize, well, it wasn't. I was maybe learning and potentially even improved because of it. But what have you learned? And maybe just talk to us through some of those experiences and maybe help us understand that, you know, um, sometimes leading through controversy ends up okay. Well, it always ends up okay. I, I, that's, that's probably the number one thing that, that, that I have learned almost no, no matter what happens, you know, it ends up okay. Your family still loves you. You, you, know, you, uh, you, you keep, you keep moving forward, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I have 40 years into this. I, um, I think one of the things that I have embraced and, and learned is that, um, that you do learn through all of all of that and uh you know some of it is is more difficult than 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 others and and you think about um uh situations where student health and safety um is at uh is is in question those are the most difficult because you you really are um dealing with the core of of uh of of your of your role as a leader and that is protecting protecting students uh, educating students so so those are the most difficult uh and and that's why that's why i think covid uh presented so many so many challenges but um 
you know, as you may know, I, I, uh, I oversaw a stadium renovation project at, at Cal where we had uh, tree sitters uh, for 20 months uh, that, uh, that stopped the project. Um, and, and that was challenging because the, the, the project was so important um, to the, the health of our athletic department, to the health of, of uh, uh, the, the, the financial vibrancy, vibrancy of, our, of our football program. Um, that it, it uh, you know, every day I would get out there and say, you know, as soon as the uh, we get through the legal challenges to the project, we get the tree sitters out of the trees, we'll be, we'll be moving forward. And, um, you know, the day the courts uh, told us that we could move forward, I, I, I realized I didn't think I could go one more day. <laughs> You know, having to having to with with, with that mantra, um, but you can, you know, you're 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 really uh, you're really tougher than uh, than you think you than you think you are. Uh, but those you know those kinds of challenges, and the more political piece and and maybe standing up for for what you believe in um, really pale in comparison uh, to something that really uh, you know holds uh, holds true for uh, like like COVID um, as it relates to really protecting the health and safety of, of students. So, you know, those are the ones that become more challenging. Um, but again, you, you, if you, if you, if you operate, uh, uh, in an organization, um, that has really strong values and standards, uh, what to do becomes fairly simple. Um, doesn't mean the execution is always easy. Um, and, and I think finally, the, the other important thing I've, I've learned is that you are never, ever, ever going to make everybody happy. And as, and as a matter of fact, in this day and age, I think for the most part, you make virtually no one happy. Um, and, and you just have to, you have to make yourself happy and your organization from the standpoint of, of, uh, of doing what you know to be very best right and true at the, in the moment. So you brought up a couple of, of themes I just want to pause on. So number one, um, I heard you say just one more day. And um, I know personally through living vicariously right now through a lot of other leaders that sometimes that's their challenge. I, I don't know if I could do this another day. I, I don't know if I even want to do this another day. And in fact, they do. They continue to. But that being um, a dramatic you know, dilemma for them because you're supposed to be the eternal cheerleader, so to speak, for the organizations, right? People look to you as being like this bright light to keep people going. But what happens when you as a leader don't feel like you can go another day? And how do you do that and try to focus on being happy personally, knowing that you're not making anyone else happy or in fact, maybe not even being able to get the majority anymore? So what is some of your internal, internal talk that goes on to help you go one more day or to help remind yourself that if I keep my focus on what's most important, my overall mission, that maybe, you know, I, I can at least be content personally to help me move on. How, how do you, is it this self-talk? Do you meditate mornings? What do you do to pull that off? What a, what a great question. And I'm going to give you an answer that, um, that almost makes no sense, <laughs> but it's, um, it's 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 kind of this this double-edged sword in that I have found as um, you know I've been an athletic director now since uh, 1996 when I became the uh, the AD at, at Tulane so I've had the 
the great privilege to serve as the athletic director at Tulane, Cal, and, and now Penn State. And one of the biggest challenges for me early on, and, and it remains a challenge, just not of the same um, magnitude, is you know, you, you, I think you phrased it, cheerleader, um, you know everybody's watching you. And you know that they're counting on you to give them hope. That's really what it comes down, down to, is, is hope. And um, that's uh, the, the one side of the sword, the, the, the double-edged sword is, you know, I just don't feel like it today. Um, and, you know, because we're all human. Um, none of us are, uh, are the Energizer bunny, even though some of us feel like we are sometimes or try to act like it or you think somebody else is. Um, but at the same time, what energizes me about doing that is I know how important it is individually and collectively to, I mean, the, the, the greatest thing that I can do is take care of our people. Um, and our people are those 350 here at Penn State, those 350 um, athletic department employees, but it's also our 800 plus um, student athletes. And, and when I just you know, even in my darkest times, and, and I just say, you know, they're counting on you. Um, you, you, what you say matters to the, how you say it, what your body language looks like, what enthusiasm you, uh, you portray. And, um, you know, shoot, I, I, I am an eternal optimist. And, um, I have learned through both personal and professional um, setbacks um, that there, there always are brighter days. Um, and, uh, you know, you got to confront it head on. There, there were times uh, with our student athletes and our programs in this last 18 months when I had to go in front of a team for the third time. Um, and tell them their their season had been canceled or postponed or or somehow shifted, you know. So we we were moving the ball once again on a group of eighteen to twenty two year olds. Um, I mean, talk about hard. That's hard. Yeah. A group of thirty five to fifty year olds or twenty five to seventy year olds is a little bit better equipped to to take that message. Still hard, but a little bit better equipped. But 18 to 22 year olds that all they know is their passion for getting a Penn State degree and pursuing a conference championship and a national championship in their chosen sport. That's hard. Yeah. You know, you know when, when we went in to say this, uh, you know, the, the first kind of dark days of COVID, uh, I wasn't the only one referring to the Stockdale paradox as being really important for us to pay attention to, right? Where we confront the brutal realities of today, not assuming that it'll just become better tomorrow. But like you said, we can't lose hope in the end of the story. The end of the story, but not necessarily today or tomorrow, right? And um, I, I think a lot of people agreed. However, I don't think we also recognize that this would go on as long as it has. So um, it just made things, you know, bumpier than I think we would have assumed you know, a year ago. And since you brought this topic up, I was going to ask about it anyway, but let's just talk politics for a minute. Um, what I mean by that is, you know, the, 
civility as it relates to politics um, has, has shifted, right? And so much of what I know you face as a leader and all leaders are facing isn't always uh, focused on the issue or what's most important. It's based upon someone's political perspective that is sometimes dramatically skewed. And um, how have you over time, and maybe even recently, uh, worked through the, the real question or the real opportunity as opposed to the political one? Yeah, it's a hard question in, in, in today's uh, environment. Um, I'll be honest, I, uh, I grew up in a, in, a, in a politically split household um, and, and learned about civil discourse. And it was awesome. Um, I, I, I enjoyed it. I always learned something. Um, and, and to me, that's what politics was about. Yeah. Um, and that's not where, that's not where we are um, t today. Um, so I certainly respect um, and, I, and I hope I give uh, to both our, our employees and our students uh, and all of our stakeholders, whether they be alumni or, or donors, um, you know, I, I respect difference of opinion. Um, I, I, I have, uh, I have little, um, little room for, um, uh, lack of respect of, of someone else's opinion. Um, and, and, and that obviously means I have to respect an opinion, uh, different than my own. And, and so that's the culture we've tried to, to create here. But, um, you know, I, I do think it's, it's terribly unfortunate um, that in in a in a health and safety um, situation in a in a situation that involves medicine and science and data um, that that we that we have the kind of discourse um, that we do and that um, you know perhaps um, millions or hundreds of thousands of, of, of people have uh, have died or gotten sick because we couldn't move past our, uh, our, our difference of opinion. And, uh, uh, you know, so obviously we're, we're in a time, whether it's, whether you wear a mask or you don't wear a mask or that COVID's real or COVID's not real, or do you get vaccinated? Do you not get vaccinated? Um, uh, obviously all, all of the social justice are so proud of our students and, uh, and our staff, but, but mainly our students, uh, during the course of last year. And, you know, the, at a time when they weren't engaging as much athletically as they typically were, they used that opportunity to get involved, uh, from a, from a social justice standpoint and, and really in, in meaningful, meaningful ways. But I'll be honest, there were times I had to defend that. And, uh, and, and I didn't mind doing that. I minded doing it that, that I had to defend it. Uh, it was more than worth defending. And, uh, and really just talking about, my goodness, we're educators. And if, if our campuses are not places where we can have these conversations and where our students can learn, you know, they might learn from their mistakes. Um, you know, lots of our, our student athletes didn't understand the, the, frankly, the polarization of the Black Lives Matter movement and that there was an actual organization maybe that, that had some controversy around it. Well, they learned that, um, which is to me what it's all about. Sure. And, uh, and so I, I kind of put my stake in the ground around education, um, and, uh, and around, uh, 
First Amendment rights that that you know sometimes I have to hear and 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 put up with some things that I don't agree with, but uh, but that's all part of it, and um, and and so it's really uh, I'll go back to that to those value statements and and rooted in education and my goodness um, uh, the, the a college campus is where these conversations is where this discourse should be taking place. Isn't it interesting? Um, you mentioned one hope but you also mentioned being proud of students. It's interesting to me, and actually I, I do see some hope as it relates to the youth of today. Um, I do too. It's, it's <laughs> almost unfortunate that I think that the youth have to sometimes learn from some of our adult behaviors. And I have been um, frustrated at times by our inability to have civic discourse even when we disagree, but appreciative that I think students are actually asking questions that are real questions, not just a, a mean statement with a question mark at the end, right? And I, I've had people say to me, you're an idiot, aren't you? Well, that's not a question, is it? Um, but students sometimes bring a truly a curiosity and to watch them actually engage in you know, discourse and trying to figure out answers for themselves, which is so different than sometimes the baggage we as adults, the political baggage we bring to the table. Um, I'm, I'm thankful that you see hope, especially in students that you're leading. I think that's, uh, uh, that's a great thing to hear. I, I absolutely do. And, and, you know, we all get, get caught up in this generation's faults. Um, and, and they have them as did our generations. <laughs> yeah, sure. um, but, uh, but I also have the great fortune of having the opportunity to sit down with students um, on, on you know, a daily basis and, and really ask them what they're thinking about and, and what's important to them. And, and, um, and, and, and frankly, many of their faults have been foisted upon them by previous generations who have, you know, parented, taught, Led, led them, um, and, uh, and and we and we have challenges. There's no doubt about it. But as I sit with students um, and get to hear about their hopes and dreams and aspirations and their and how much they care about this planet um, and and how much they they care about society and equity and inclusion and um, I, I do have a lot of hope uh, about uh, them as leaders um, and their and the roles that they will play in, in leading us and 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 it. That fuels me to help fuel others. Um, to uh, it, you know, we, we we need to do our roles. Uh, we need to execute our roles as leaders um, and our obligations um, to to help educate them so that they they will be the leaders of tomorrow. You know, we um, without going into detail, we have a model to support our leaders, which we do. We, we try to toss. We talk less at them and actually set the table where leaders are circling up, leaders helping leaders. This is the one of the opportunities that we actually create content on their behalf and make it available to them. But most of our model is connecting leaders to leaders so that they can help one another. So if you were to imagine us sitting at a table, a round table with other leaders, um, other educational leaders, whether that be a large school system, a, a smaller one, what, what pragmatic advice would you have? What would you want to leave them with 
almost like brass tacks, this is what I recommend you think about. Do not just get through this, but to be successful, maybe even more successful than you were coming in. That's find your why. Find, find your purpose. Um, I'm a huge Simon Sinek fan. <laughs> yeah, me too, me too. Yeah, and, um, you know, his, uh, uh, it starts with why really changed how, uh, you know, 20, not 20 years ago, probably 15 years ago now, yeah. uh, really changed uh, how I led, changed my life personally, um, just in terms of finding satisfaction and, and joy in what I do because I focused on, on why. Why? Why? What's What's important about what I do? What What's the What What is it that that fills me up? Um, and mm-hmm. And I think that's um, there, there's a there's a secondary piece of that, and that is be true to yourself. But I, But I think if you're discovering your why and then acting on it, that's going to encompass who you are uh, and 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 being true to yourself. So I think uh, you know spend some time defining, articulating, building out your why, and then go follow it. Yeah, I, I appreciate you said that. In fact, we, we recently talked to um, a, an author, Amanda Ripley, who was saying, you know, leaders at this time need to humanize themselves in front of other people and try to recommend or try to let them know why they're in the work. They maybe are not in the work to argue over mass or anti-mass, right? You know how you have to engage in the discussion, but you're here for another reason, which is, you know, an, an intrinsic motivation that you have to daily own, even if you have to force yourself to. Yeah. So I, I appreciate the fact you brought that up. But but that's such a great point. I mean, it is about being. We're all human. We're we're all human, and and as we humanize our work, I think those we lead feel feel better about being engaged in the process. Feel more connected. Agree. Sandy, I have, um, I, I pulled you out of a meeting for this conversation. I do know that. And I also know by trying to arrange this, um, you're jumping right back into another one. I, I want to say thank you so much for this time. I, the fact that you uh, were willing to you know, talk to our leaders, I know that we're going to learn from you and some of your past experiences, but your perspective has been really helpful for me and I know others too. So thanks so much for leaning in with us. It's been my pleasure. I've really enjoyed our time. All right. Well, great. Sandy, appreciate you. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to say thank you for listening. I I know for a fact that uh, you've probably learned just as much, if not more, than I have listening to Sandy And I hope that you have an incredible day. And regardless of the challenge, embrace your why. Keep the main thing the main thing. And ladies and gentlemen, leaders, educators, be well.